Welcome to the Motherhood Village Podcast. I'm your host, Nicole Gonzalez-Cumberbatch, and I know firsthand that it takes a village to raise a child, but most importantly, that it takes a village to uplift a mother. A mother's village is necessary and can take up many forms. Consider this podcast as part of your motherhood village. No matter the season of motherhood you're in, every conversation will give you more tools to add to your parenting toolbox, and you'll feel supported, inspired, and uplifted. So let's get into an informative and empowering conversation. Hello and welcome to the Motherhood Village podcast. I am on with a very special guest. I have Mrs. Lauren Klein, who is an estate planning attorney. She's an entrepreneur. She's a wife and she's a mom who overcame adversity and transformed her life. In 2020, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, she dove into life coaching podcasts, self-help books, therapy, and meditation, sparking a remarkable career of upturn, among all else, that resulted in an offer from one of the top law firms in the country. She started her own law firm, Florist Law Group, where she helps families protect their assets and legacy. Now, I'm sure so much has transpired from the pandemic to now, which I would love to tap into, but I know we're, we're on time here or, or making sure we hit all the elements. But before we dive into the conversation, I want to ask you your favorite book or one that you would like to recommend that you think, yeah, that a mom listening to would like. And it could, it could be for as a business owner, self-development, any book you'd like to share. So... I thought a lot about this question. I, I read a lot and I love so many books, but I think one of the, the books that always pops into my mind just in general is Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And I know it's a little controversial, but in my opinion, reading it is just a really great way to kind of reset your mind and the way that you think about money and the way that you think about business and real estate. And so it's great for anyone to dive into, even if you're not a business owner, just to kind of straighten up the way that you're thinking about money. Money is one of my favorite topics in the world. And I think it's important for all of us to focus on. I think that's a good book. Do you know they have a game for kids to play? I have heard that and I have not bought it yet for my boys, but when they get maybe a little bit older, I'm definitely going to get it. Yeah. My husband, we, someone told us about it because my husband had read the book and they said it was a really great introduction to show little kids, you know, of like understanding money, the basics. And I, I agree. I read the book years ago, but I think it, it just helps people understand the fundamentals. And I know this goes into the topic of also what you do because it's estate planning and protecting assets. But I think it is a great foundational book because to even understand assets, you have to understand how money works, right? And what you have. So Great recommendation. Okay, let's take it high level. So very quickly, because I want people to understand your mindset of going from, you know, being recruited for the top law firms in the country and having this one goal, I would assume from other lawyers I've talked to, of maybe being partner one day, or maybe even, even if you had the opportunity for that, to then shifting and going out on your own. Maybe share a quick kind of context into why that was important. So I, when I started practicing law in 2013, I always kind of assumed maybe I would start my own business at some point, whether a law firm or something else. I, as I went through, you know, my early years as an attorney, I joined, like you'd mentioned, one of the largest uh, law firms in the country. So I kind of got to like the top echelon of when you leave law school where, you're, where attorneys are usually trying to get to big law. 
And I learned a lot. It was amazing. I worked with the wealthiest families in the US and outside. But something that I realized was the conversations that I was having with the top 1%, the top 1% of the top 1%, we weren't having just us normal folk, you know, us raising children, growing businesses, working, whatever it may be, we weren't talking about these things. But the idea of estate planning is applicable to everybody. And so I started thinking, wouldn't it be great if I could take all of this expertise and this knowledge and experience that I have and bring it to just people that I, you know, meet on a day-to-day basis, families, business owners, real estate investors, parents, teachers, whatever, my husband's in law enforcement, law enforcement, and and make sure that people are protecting their assets, making sure that their children are, you know, cared for if something happens to them, making sure that they understand what goes into an estate plan and why it's important for everybody, making sure that someone's there to make healthcare decisions for you if you can't do it for yourself or financial decisions for if you can't do it for yourself. All of these things I wanted to bring to the general public. And so when I, I left, I was I was right about to make partner. That was like the next step. And I said, okay, I can either choose door number one and make partner, or I can choose door number two, take a bit of a risk and start my own firm and really kind of follow what I was passionate about. And so I chose door number two. Last year, I started my firm, Flourish Law Group. And it's the best thing I ever did. And I quickly brought on partner, which was also one of the best things I've ever done. She's one of my best friends and she has a ton of experience too. So we partnered up to take over Florida when it comes to estate planning. I I love that. And I'm a little biased because we know each other personally and I have such tremendous amount of respect for you. I'm going to take it personal of understanding my introduction to estate planning, because of course, I'd love to sit here and dive even deeper as you know, how the entrepreneurial journey has been, which I'm sure anyone listening to this is trying to juggle Mm -hmm. like that. And like, that's a whole thing with marriage and kids. But I really Mm -hmm. want to take it to the heart of what I know you're so passionate about. So very quickly, and I think we've talked briefly about this anyway. But for my listeners, I was really excited for this conversation, because my husband and I had to deal with that on a family aspect, very high level, I'll explain my grandfather-in-law, my husband's maternal grandfather, got diagnosed with dementia and had it for many years. And they did have, thank God, long-term care, but they expected the grandmother to pass away first. So that was one thing because she was, by all accounts, the sicker, like the unhealthier one physically, right, where right. the grandfather he was strong as an ox and the doctor was like, he could live another 50 years. It's just his mind, right? So we had two different elements. Mm-hmm. Fast forward, grandmother passes away. So now the grandfather's alive. But like I said, he's healthy, but just his mind. But up until that point, they had never done an estate planning. They had never done anything. So once he passed, oh man, it went into probate and just the process. And this was kind of around, it was, yeah, through the COVID and after. So we knew it was going to even take longer. So it was this whole big thing. So I've personally dealt with it and I will try and spread this message for as long as I can of the importance of estate planning. But my question to you is maybe explain to people at the most basic level of what an estate plan is, why it's important, because I think when people hear it, there's so many misconceptions. So maybe that'd be two part. Number one, break it down of what it is. And number two, what are some misconceptions people may have when they hear that scary, you know, two words of estate planning? Yeah, uh, these questions are so good and so important because there are so many misconceptions out there. 
So what is an estate plan? Because people hear that and they're like, estate, that sounds very fancy. That sounds like it's only for the rich or only for someone who's 85, 90 years old. What is an estate plan? So an estate plan is made up of a couple different buckets. One is if you have minor children, naming a guardian or guardians who will take over if you and your partner, if you have a partner, are no longer here. Obviously, that conversation is a little scary, but I like to kind of flip the script and say, no, it's empowering because we do everything we can while we're on this earth to protect our children, to build up our family and our assets and care for our children, make sure they're healthy, all the things that we do as parents on a day-to-day basis. But it's empowering to think I have made sure that if something happens to me, unlikely, I know who's going to take my children. It's not going to have to go to court. There's not going to be confusion and fighting in the family. If if the child, if I want the child to go outside of the U.S., have I put a letter in place? Because a judge still has to review your estate plan if you have one. Still, They still review your will. Have you explained why you've named the people that you've named? So that's one thing that's really important for your audience, naming guardians for minor children. Another important aspect is, okay, who gets your assets? Who gets it and how do they get it? So is your spouse going to get everything if they survive you? Then what? You know, what if you have minor kids? Minor children can inherit. So how are we going to make sure that they get the assets? Are we creating an, an entity known as a revocable living trust, which is really just kind of like a backpack that you can put assets into and they're protected for your kids? At a, at a very simple level, that's that's what a trust really is and what it does. And making sure that, let's say you get this trust in place, making sure that you say, when do children get access to the funds? You know, do they, do they get access at a certain age or on certain life events, maybe starting a business or college or getting married? You know, we want our children to be productive members of society. So even though, let's say we have a, a life insurance policy and they get a couple million dollars, it's not unheard of, you know, for, for those of us who are normal families, do you want an 18, 19 year old to receive $2 million? They're going to blow it. I I definitely would have, and they're probably not going to be as motivated and focused. So that's a part of estate planning. When are people going to get it? How are they going to get it? And how do we want to protect themselves, you know, from themselves? And then another aspect of estate planning is avoiding probate. So you, you gave an example that's really heart wrenching because what happens with married couples often is they say, well, when the when this when the first spouse passes, the surviving spouse will do the planning because then that's when we're really going to need it. But if someone is incapacitated, if they have dementia, memory loss, whatever it is, they can't do estate planning typically because they don't have capacity. So making sure that you're avoiding probate on assets, that can be done in many different ways. Making sure even that you have beneficiary designations on your bank accounts is a really simple way to do that making sure that you have assets that are put into trust. And a good estate planning attorney will help you decide what assets should go into that backpack or not. That's a big part of it too. And then the last part that I think a lot of people don't think of, and this is the reason that I believe everyone who's 18 or over should have an estate plan, is naming the people who can make decisions for you if, if you become incapacitated. So I'll give an example. I'm in my late 30s and I have all, of course, I have all of this because this is what I do, but I went to the hospital when I had my son with all my healthcare documents that are part of my estate plan. I gave it to the doctor and the nurses and I said, if something happens to me, here's my legal documents that say my husband is my healthcare surrogate. If I need a blood transfusion, if any decisions need to be made, don't hesitate. 
ask him, he can do it. So protecting ourselves, you know, making sure that we've named people that we trust. So there's no delay or confusion um, on what happens to us financially and healthcare wise. Those are all the things that go into an estate plan, which I think a lot of people, when they hear those words, they think I don't need it. And they it's just a piece of paper. It's a will that what does it really even do? Who cares? There's so many aspects. And that is why I started this firm to talk about this. This is not a part of a normal conversation, but it's so important. It's so, so important to talk about and to implement. So you said two things. One that I loved was at the start of it, when you said about empowering, because my husband and I had hours done, very fortunate that the organization my husband works for, we got it for free. Oh, that's amazing. Included. Yes. That's amazing. I mean, this was years ago. This was like when my son was first born and my husband was like, listen, we saw what happened with my grandfather. We can't mess around. Like we need to do this. And in my mind, I thought, oh, well, we do have assets, right? We have homes. So this certain things. But you said something about the empowering aspect, because when we were going through it and the gentleman who helped us was like, well, what if you die? And what if this? And there was like these really like like very, I, I forget the word that you use, but almost like, oh, cringe kind of questions. Like, what do yeah. we do? So yeah. the fact that you said it in such a way that if someone were to listen to this and they were thinking about doing it, it's like, if we're here to protect our greatest, quote unquote, asset, this this person that we birthed life into, then we shouldn't look at it as like, oh, if I die, it should be when I am no longer here, who will protect them? It's the yeah. same concept as if we're taking about a school or anything else. So I loved that. And I have a question that'll tie all of this together too with, can you also explain the difference? Because you also mentioned will. And I was talking to someone and they were like, oh, I have an estate plan. And they were like, I have a will. I know better. Again, we went through the process. Can you maybe talk about the difference of just having a will as well as maybe even a power of attorney? Can you talk maybe the difference of that? Because people think, oh, well, I have that maybe talk high level of how they're all kind of related and go under the estate planning. Cause that's correct. Right. Yeah. They do from yeah. what I know. Okay. Oh, no. yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So talk yes. about, yes. talk about all of that and why that could help for someone who maybe has a college student. And maybe I'll ask you that question after, cause someone had mentioned that when their child went to college, they did like a power of attorney. And I thought that was genius. So maybe kind of talk about like the will, the power of attorney and how that all fits. Yeah, no, you're spot on. The The question is spot on. And we get these, we have these conversations every single day. We're on, you know, consultations, our, we call it our legacy planning session all day. And these are the exact questions that pop up because people don't know why, why would you know? Even when we work with our clients who are attorneys, if this isn't their expertise, they're asking the same things. So, okay. The power of attorney is a document that says, if I'm alive, but incapacitated, here are the people that can make financial decisions on my behalf. But when I die, that power of attorney is no longer valid. It does not mean anything. It's just a piece of paper. So a lot of the times people say, well, I, I'm power of attorney for my mom. She died. They'll go to the bank. The bank says, sorry, that that doesn't mean anything anymore. You know, that was helpful when she was alive, but now it, it, it's, it's not helpful. So it's important to have because we want people to make financial decisions on our behalf, but it's only valid during life. A will is an important aspect of an estate plan, but it doesn't usually do the whole homework. And that's sitting down with an estate planning attorney who can help you decide what makes the most sense is important. So what a will does is it says, here's the person who is my personal representative. Some states call it executor. This is the person who will administer my estate. So I die, file my final income tax return, pay individual debts, 
if there has to be a probate, they're the ones who have to go hire the attorney who's going to then, who's usually in Florida, you have to hire an attorney when there's a probate, meaning your assets have to go before a judge and the judge has to decide and all of that. And if you don't have an estate plan, there still will be a probate typically. And then Florida law dictates what happens to your assets, which is even scarier. And the will can also say who gets what, but it's not a probate avoidance mechanism. So it's in some instances, it can be sufficient if we just have beneficiary designations saying, here's who gets my assets on bank accounts. It can be, but oftentimes it's not going to do the whole homework, especially when we have minor children, because Usually the will just is going to give everything outright and it's not going to take into account various other contingencies like only, you know, giving money when they go to college or only at a certain age. It can, but you're not avoiding probate. So it's kind of like it's part of it, but it's not everything. That's what a will does. Another important aspect for a will is you name your guardian for your minor children within the will. So anyone who has minor children, if you have zero dollars in assets, you need to at least name guardians for your children. Now, the trust, and this is where things always get a little murky, and this is what I try to clarify as, as much as I can. A trust, you, you will have a will when you have a trust. It's called a pour over will. I'll explain why in a minute. But for most of our clients with minor kids, we're setting up trusts. So the trust says... I, I create the trust, so I'm the grantor. I manage the trust, so I'm the trustee. And during life, typically, I'm my own beneficiary. But what the trust does, it says, okay, I pass away. Let's say my husband survives me. I have the option to give him everything outright or keep things in that trust for him. And there's many reasons you would do one versus the other schedule call because we will run over our time for sure, for sure, because there's so many things. But after he passes in my estate plan, personally, everything stays in trust for my children. What does that actually mean? So I have little kids, three and one and a half years old. I don't know who they're going to be yet. I don't know if they're going to be good with money. I don't know what they're going to do with their lives. I don't know if they're going to have really you know, poor decision making when it comes to picking a partner in their life. I have no idea. They're babies, right? No clue. I just know what they want for lunch and like what games we're going to play when I go home later. So I have my assets staying in trust for them. So that just means that they're going to stay in that backpack. My children can benefit. So if I'm gone and my husband's gone, we've named people who will manage the money for them, the trustee, the, the ones who will distribute the money out to the guardian who's on a day-to-day -day basis raising my children. The trustee and the guardian can be the same person. Don't, they don't have to be. It can be different people. But those assets are going to stay in that trust and be protected. They're going to stay in trust for the child's benefit. I may change that down the road. Maybe as I get to know who my children will be, I'll say, okay, at 25, one third goes out to them and 30, one third and 35. Maybe, maybe not because when it stays in trust, it's for their benefit. It's held on their behalf. So if they get divorced and the ex-spouse tries to get their assets, that those assets are protected. Not 100%. There's always little, you know, exceptions, but they're very, very protected from a divorce. If my one of my children gets into a car accident and is found at fault, because those assets are in trust, they're protected from creditors. Again, not 100%, but much more likely creditors won't be able to attach to those assets. And if my child has special needs, the trust has language in there to, you know, make sure that government benefits are not disrupted. 
And then it says, I know this is, it's kind of like, it's hard to explain because there's so many moving parts. Then it says, if my children turn age 25, they can manage the money themselves. They can be their own trustee. They can distribute to themselves, but they still don't own that money. So it has all those other protections associated with it. I'll pause now because I know that was a lot. Yeah, no, and I think you did a beautiful job explaining it and what to even I, I think to kind of summarize and say, I think it boils down to hiring the right people to help you navigate this. Cause you said it even yourself that you've had people go to a bank and say, but I have a power of attorney. And they're like, yeah, but this is not valid now. Where if someone would have th that shame on that lawyer or attorney, cause they should have said, Hey, when they pass, you might want to get this to get this. Cause it sounds like you need one, but not the other. And when you're alive, you need this. And when you're dead and hence the estate plan to kind of cover it all. I love how you, so I think it boils down to making sure you choose the right people to handle this for you because it is a lot and making sure that they do know the the laws of the state that which you live in. And then I'm sure there's even a whole thing of like there's divorce and not. And what if, I mean, that was one of the things the guy said, he was like, listen, you and your husband are good now, but what if, you know, this and who's going to, I'm like, geez, there's so many things, but you're right. Yeah. That is life. We don't know. We don't know who our children are going to be or what that's like. I want to pivot slightly because I want you to talk about since you mentioned COVID and kind of how you, you really dived into your self-development. And um, I'm assuming I, I will, again, I know you personally, so I know you've talked about how like you really were um, intentional about like, if you were going to start this business, doing the work for it, which I loved and highly recommend, which I'm sure we can have another podcast about that. But since COVID and since that happened, has the landscape of estate planning changed? Like, has there been stuff? Did you guys see a lot because I mean, there were so many people that died that maybe didn't have things in place. So maybe talk about like a couple things of like that maybe have changed since then, maybe laws. Like I'm sure something had had to because you had now had all of these instances where unfortunately people were dead and they didn't have stuff in play. And now that I'm thinking, I'm like, gosh, it must have been horrible. So, yeah, maybe explain that and how can we protect ourselves so that if we do, on you know, God forbid, have something again, that we're more protected. Well, I think one of the main things that COVID changed was how we communicate. And that that is across all industries and all walks of life. You know, the ability to get on Zoom and have a meeting with a client and just make this more accessible. We're all busy. We're working. We're picking our kids up from school. We're making a snack. We're making dinner, whatever it is. We're juggling with our spouses or our partners. So just being able to meet with a client via Zoom, it, it's great. So that's, that's one of the things that has changed definitely, I think, for the better. I still love in-person events, but for just meetings, it's it's often much, much easier. And I think you, you kind of touched on this. I think something else that, unfortunately, the pandemic kind of brought to the forefront of our mind is we're not invincible. Things can happen, you know, and thank goodness we're, we're getting away from all of that. It was a crazy, crazy couple of years, but I think it's going to stick in our minds that, hey, things can happen. Unexpected things can happen in life. And the more that we plan for them, the more peace of mind that we're going to have. And unfortunately, we've had a lot of people come to us because a family member died during that time period. They didn't have an estate plan or they had an insufficient estate plan. They had to go through the probate process, which was very much prolonged during that time period. Courts were closed, you know, just everything was a mess. And so they saw how much money they, their family had to spend on a, on a probate. They had to hire the attorney. Assets were frozen until a certain part in the probate process. All of the information of the estate plan, if there was one, is made public. So your, benef your beneficiaries are made public. Your assets are made public. When you have a trust, things are private. So I think just all of those things, especially with 
fraud in South Florida being so rampant, privacy is so important to everyone right now. And I think, unfortunately, and also fortunately, it kind of brought it to the forefront of people's minds. And it, it kind of put a little, you know, fire under under their butts, because estate planning, we're thinking very forward, what could happen in the future. And so there isn't always urgency, which I completely understand. We're all so busy. I get it. But we got to think about it. Hey, what are we working so hard for if we're not going to protect it on the back end? Just doesn't, it doesn't, when you think about it that way, it doesn't make sense to not do estate planning, but it's, it's hard. I get it. I really get it. And actually you, it's a perfect segue into my next question of, let's say there's a mom listening to this. She's a single mom and she's like, yeah, okay. Like, what does this cost? I can't afford it. If there's something that you had to say, well, then listen, honey, if there's one thing I need you to do today, other than possibly booking a consultation with you to talk, but, you know, aside from that, that they can do like a, a, something like, like, listen, if you take anything from today, do this, what would that be? I would say two things. One is check all your bank accounts and just make sure you have a beneficiary designation. Bank accounts, brokerage accounts, 401k, pension, whatever it may be, you don't need an attorney to do that. Oftentimes when we review our clients' assets, we're saying, okay, we're going to name the trust you've created as the beneficiary. Because then it says, if not, if it's this person, then there's this person. If this person has passed away, then here. If there's special needs, you know, situation going on, then it goes here. That's kind of the gold standard, but at the bare minimum for now, just make sure you have beneficiaries name because that in and of itself will avoid probate. That's number one. And then number two is at least get a simple will that names guardians for your, for your minor children. If you do those two things, you will be light years ahead of everyone. And it's not, it's not the full homework by any means. But I think that those are really, really important and you can do those pretty easily. And I mean, I am not, I am 0% for DIY estate planning. I think it's very, very risky. I've seen estate planning documents invalidly executed. So they mean nothing. I've seen, there's just so many I'm little sure. things that you have, you're not going to think about, you know, there, like there's many industries or areas of law. I don't know. I know the pitfalls. So I can, or any good estate planning attorney knows the pitfalls, Sure, but even if you can get like a low cost will or something in place, if your funds are are limited, which is fine, do that. Yeah. Or see if you're like your husband, you know, maybe your company pays yeah. for it. Yeah. Um, and let me that. ask, cause you, you mentioned the children I had heard somewhere and it might've been similar to you. Like I, I dive into like master classes and kind of researching different things. I had heard someone say, is it possible to get guardianship in place in the while your children are alive? Or is that similar to like a power of attorney where like someone had mentioned literally, they're like, if you have, if you have your child and you and your husband are traveling, get something in play for that. And I was like, really? It's that deep? And they're like, yes. They're like, if you have your grandparents around or something, and let's say you and your husband are going to be out of town for even the weekend and you have a caretaker watching your kids, they were like, you know, have something in play. Like, okay, to your point, like when you were giving birth to your son that you can give to the hospital to say, listen, or that whoever the caretaker is watching your kids and God forbid they have to take them to the hospital, they can say, listen, I am this, I'm not the parents, but this is the stipulation. What is that called? And is it power of attorney? So that would not be power of attorney. That okay. would be uh, like a guardian document um, oh. for, a, for a minor child. So that would be separate from the will because the will will only be effective upon death. So gotcha. it's a separate document that you would do that just says like a temporary guardian while I'm alive in the event that I'm unavailable. Now, the reality is if you if you haven't died and it's a short period of time, you know, law enforcement probably isn't going to be called. They're probably 
wouldn't be a need to have that in place as much. Sure. It's not as important if you passed away because then your child could have to go into, you know, temporary care of the state or something if you don't have this documentation in place until everyone can figure out who's going to take the child. If it's just a weekend, it's still important because who knows? You know, you never know. You know, when I, when I was pregnant with my second, we, we went on vacation and we thought we had COVID and we were worried we were going to be stuck in Turks and Caicos for a few weeks. I know. What if something had happened during that time period? You know, you never know. So it's important. It's important to think about that stuff. I think, I think the will is more important, but the more that we have a plan in place, the better off everyone is. Well, yeah. And I think thank you for the clarification, because when I heard that, I'm like, what? So I'm telling my husband, I'm like, if we go away, like ever, like, you know, and he's looking at me and he's like, ah, I don't know, similar to what you're saying. But I think to your point, like there are so many things in place, but I, I, I agree. I think having a will, if at the bare minimum to have something. So God forbid, if you pass, at least you know where your kids are going as opposed to foster care, right? Because then you're like, oh my gosh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I have a couple more questions for you. So I know you have the Wealthy Lawyer Squad and I know that's a passion of yours. So talk to me about that and how you're choosing to give back in this way to help other lawyers. And then even, I'm sure there's not a lot of female attorneys or are there? Like maybe talk about this space, Like, like talk to me about it, the mission behind it, you know, your purpose with it and why was it important for you to create? Oh, thank you. I I love my wealthy lawyer squad programming and mastermind. So it's essentially it's a community and mastermind for lawyers and new lawyers and law students. So it's all about mindset and success coaching, strategies for doing well in law school or early on in your law career. There's unique challenges that come up within law school and early law practice. It's a very trying time. It's very challenging. There's a lot of imposter syndrome, a lot of stress. And our brain, at a time that we need to be our sharpest, law school and learning how to become an attorney and practicing law, our brain likes to tell us all these crazy stories and go into like major stress overload because it's a scary new thing. And so there's so much that we can do to learn to understand our brain and retrain the way that we approach law school and law practice. So that's a big part of what I do. And then also just a community, community for all law students and lawyers. But I also just have a very, very special place in my heart as my, you know, being myself a female attorney. So the stats when people go into law school, it's about 50-50, give or take each year, 50% men, 50% women, and then of course, a percentage of, you know, non-binary and all of that. But when you go through the practice of law and you see these firms, especially these big law firms and people who are becoming partner, it's significantly more men than women. And this has been an ongoing problem. And you'll look at the stats from like 1992 to now, and it's barely changed. It's it's insane. And, you know, this happens in other industries as well. I know finance and other industries, there's, there's similar issues. And so a lot of what I do is talking about, okay, how can we design and it's similar to estate planning. Where are we going? Where are we, what goals are we trying to accomplish and what steps do we need to take kind of reverse engineering our thoughts and our, our actions to get to where we want to go? That's, that's really a big part of what I do. Um, with the, the Wealthy Lawyer Squad. I love it. I remember when you were telling me about it and I was like, oh my God, this is genius because it's really a way for you to give back. And to your point, like, I am sure that must have been, for lack of a better word, like a shit show of trying to navigate and you probably in hindsight and going through it like, hello, I wish I would have had this or mentors on this level to help and say, listen, this is what will help. This is what I did. Maybe don't make the same mistakes I do. Expensive mm-hmm. mistakes, all the things. So I think it's amazing. Okay, so 
your mom, you're an entrepreneur. I know money is your thing, right? The Airbnb is like you, you badass girl. How do you <laughs> juggle it? So I know we talk about self care, and we hear balance. And I've had I, I don't agree with the balance either. I think you're just never I think you try and try and make sure that you're not dropping the balls. But I had Shelly Muniz, who was at a speaker at the summit and BC six, and we had a conversation on the podcast. And that's what she mentioned. She's like, it's almost like a juggler. And you're just hoping you're not dropping the glass balls that the ones that you really know that you don't want to break. <laughs> and some of the other ones you might drop. And I was like, Oh, I love that picture of it, right? Because we have like our health should be the glass balls, lack of a, you know, better term, but it really is, you know, our relationship with our spouse, our kids, you know, but you have this like, these, you know, you're trying to juggle all the things. So my question to you is, how are you intentional with juggling all the roles that you have, and making sure that your glass balls stay intact, Mm -hmm. and you're not, yeah, they're not crashing? Like, how are you intentional with that? Because, you know, you're such, you know, like, you're very ambitious. And I know that word too can be cringy, but you are like, you, you, you want to help, you know, lawyers and you, you want to help families and all these things. So what do you do to kind of juggle that for yourself? Well, and I will say that some days I juggle better than other days, just, just like everyone else. But I think some of the things that I've implemented that have really, really helped me. Number one, when I, this is like a little bit of an aside, but when I had my first son, Drew, I saw, he was Lauren Bostick from the Skinny Confidential. She had a baby around the same time. And she said, when I had my baby, it it made me want to go even more into overdrive, hyperdrive with my business, because I know that they're now watching me and they see the legacy that I'm building. And not to say that you have to do it this way, but for me, that kind of helped because I, I am ambitious. I wear that very proudly. It kind of helped me to get over a little bit of that, that guilt because I am, I have to do what I need to do. I need to be myself while also being a mom and a wife and a friend and a daughter and all the things because you don't want to lose sight of yourself. That's that. And that happens. It it happens to me all the time. But for me, that was really important. That was kind of an aside. The things that I do that I have found really helpful, and again, some days work better than others is, I mean, this one's not that sexy, but just time blocking and talking to my husband, Andrew, like each week, here's what I have going on. Here's when I really need you. Okay. We're both busy at this time. Is grandma going to come in? Is are one of our friends going to take over? We still have to find like a good babysitter. So anyone's listening, <laughs> message me. Twinkle Toes. I need to connect you with Twinkle Toes oh, Nanny Agency. Please. And they're doing, oh, it, I hope it's not just West Broward. I think they're doing East Broward too. But yes, it's a fantastic. Right. Okay. Oh, yes. But need it. Thank you. Thank you. So, so time blocking and communication has been huge. I think also finding what you care about and what you're passionate about, and then knowing what you're good at in a achieving that goal and that passion and getting into like a flow state of what you do. That really helps. Like I really love, I don't love everything about what I do. Like there are aspects of running an estate planning law firm and running a mentorship and coaching program for law students. There's aspects I don't love like admin things. So I really try to delegate the things that are not what I'm good at and what I don't love. So it feels lighter and more fun and I can really get a lot done in the time that I have. I think that has been really helpful for me. I love that. And I love how you share the ambitious part, because I think that is so key for any mother listening to this, because listen, I have a whole WhatsApp group of moms that have attended my support groups and, you know, I see it and a lot of the moms going back to work and they're like, but I want to go, but I'm guilty. I've already been shamed, unfortunately, you know, like some, some, one of the caretakers at the school was like, oh, back at six weeks. They're like, yeah, something. And she was like, 
well, that wasn't necessary. And I'm like, oh gosh. Anyway, my whole point is, I think you were so, I know we were, the, the WhatsApp chat that day was going in. We're like, well, don't listen. It's like we were sharing all the love and good vibes to her. But my whole point is, thank you for sharing that because Yes, you can't change who you are, who innately you are and what's going to fulfill you, although you love being a mom, but there's a whole other side of Lauren. And I, I believe truthfully of you being on this earth, right, and fulfilling what you feel you're here to do, helping families, mentorship, all the things, and then kind of navigating through that. So thank you for for bringing that side note in. I love the communication aspect. Listen, we have everything on the calendar and I still, my husband, I still have to have the conversation. And he's like, oh, you yeah. have this? I'm like, yes, it's been on the calendar. So once I I saw that happened a couple of times. I was like, all right, we really need to have these weekly meetings mm-hmm. because not only am I getting busier, so is he. So I love that because we can't read each other's minds and maybe we did see it, but we forgot. Like we have to like, look and say, did you see it? Yeah. Yeah. And that was hard for me because before kids, I was a very fly by the seat oh, of my gosh. pants, not with work stuff, of course, but with social stuff, like it was never on the calendar when friends would be like, is it on your calendar? I'm like, no, girl, I'll be there. Whatever. Like, <laughs> So that was hard. It was hard to like implement that. And it's not really like fun and sexy to do with your partner. Like, what are you doing this day, this day, blah, 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 blah. But, but it avoids like the confusion and the miscommunication and the, I got to run out the door now. What do you mean? Where are you going? And truthfully, it's not only the sexiness of it too, but it's like our mental capacity can only hold so much. Like we're trying to run businesses. So we're there. Some of us has multiple, have multiple businesses, multiple endeavors. Our husbands have their things. If you have, you know, a partner with you. So we just can't remember the things like even as much as I want to try, I'm like, no, I don't. So yeah. And I, and I love that. So thank you for sharing some really like (laughs) basic things that can make a difference. And truthfully, it's what works for you. So some people like, like you just got to do what works for you. I'm visual. So we have a big board in the kitchen. My husband mm-hmm. barely looks at it. But for me, I know what's coming up for myself. Yeah, he's like, I didn't see it there. I'm like, dude, you walk past it every day. But for <laughs> me, I make the lunches and do all this stuff. I have a what is my son eating for school for the week? What do I need to get? What's coming up for school stuff? Like I needed a visual there as well. Yeah. Okay. How can people connect with you? How can people find you? Yeah, share all the all the things where they can connect. Yeah. So my main like hub is my Instagram. So it's at lawyer Lauren Klein. That's like my main spot. And then it connects to all my businesses on, on social media for my firm. It's at Flourish Law Group on Instagram or flourishlawgroup.com. Uh, our website is very cute. I must say we were like, we don't want it to be boring. And so there's a webinar on there. If you want to check it out at any point in time or connect with us. And then for any law students or new lawyers who are listening, it's laurenalexiskline.com is my my coaching website. We also have a webinar coming up on February 22nd, Estate Planning Secrets for the New Year at noon. It's free. We offer discounts for attendees on if they decide to work with us. But really, it's just a way for us to kind of, if you have questions on what we talked about today, which I'm assuming you do, because we we talked about a lot in a short period of time. This is kind of our, it's like our consult, but for everyone. And so it's really educational and helpful. I shared it with my mamas. I think someone already registered. I had two or three people. Actually, I had someone that wants to connect with you. So yes, the power of connection is real. I think it's important to kind of give back that way because some people I think get a little scared and this is a great way to like have the introduction. Okay, my favorite part, my final thoughts. I had a woman, I asked her that. She was like, final thoughts? Didn't I just give you like 45 <laughs> minutes? But I'm like, yes, but it's, it's, if you can sum this up and if, again, the takeaways, like if you're like, look, honey, this is this, what are your kind of final thoughts to the podcast community out there? 
My final thoughts are when we're talking about estate planning, I think we should think about it in a, in really for, if, for our children. We're, we're trying to make sure that our children have financial literacy, that they become productive members of society, that they are healthy, not only with their health, which is most important, but that they're healthy with money by sitting down with an estate planning attorney, getting a plan in place, getting a financial advisor who can coordinate with your estate planning attorney, having like a team, even if you don't feel like you're ready, a team that you can grow with, I think, in my opinion, sends such a wonderful example to our kids that money is not scary, money is empowering, and the way that we interact with our money impacts how we do financially in life. And so I think estate planning, among many other things, investing, starting businesses, getting a good job, whatever it may be, it all kind of ties into that money mindset. And I, for me, that is huge for the next generation to be it. smart with money. I just made a note because I want to, yes, you, you sparked something in me. So I, I grabbed my notepad, but yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, I think those are great words to part with. So thank you so much, Lauren, for an awesome, informative conversation. All of the stuff will be in the show notes, links and all the things. And yeah, thank you and continued blessings to you for love and light and all you do. Thank you. Thank you. Back at you, Nicole. Thanks for having me on. This was really fun. Thank you for listening to this impactful episode of the Motherhood Village podcast. Subscribe to my show so you'll never miss a future episode. You may also rate and review on Apple Podcasts and share this episode with someone that can use it as part of their Motherhood Village. Remember, your village can take up many forms and you do not have to do it alone. Connect with me at themotherhoodvillage.com. Blessings to you for love and light.